Hello, welcome to Just Chops and Podcast. And today we have two special guests, actually. First one is my fucking cousin David, because he's been missing in action for uh, 10 days. Yeah. And the next one is Jack G. Hutchinson. I nearly said Johnson again then. <laughs> <laughs> so, how are you both? I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. Recovered. Or recovering yeah, still. Recovering, but... yeah. Yeah, I'm still not 100%, but getting it. And how are you, Jack? I'm all right, yeah. I'm not too bad. Um, it seems like everybody's getting ill at the minute, not necessarily with the, you know, the Rona, but uh, yeah. there's like a, a bug going around, isn't there? And everyone seems yeah. to be getting um, I seem to have dodged that so far. It's, yeah. it's weddings, it is. It was my daughter's wedding, and half the wedding party caught it. Everybody was going down. And I, I knew it was, so it was my, my son was on one side of the room. My nephew was on the other side of the room. And basically, they were all infected. And because I work from home and my antibodies are crap, and I haven't been outside and mingled with people for so long, I caught it as well. So I was the only one on the head table because it was my daughter's wedding. But um, we were all dropping like flies with it last week. So don't do weddings, whatever you do. Just grow a massive beard, mate. I think that's what <laughs> catches it all, you know. By the end of my tours, I, I come back with a green beard because it's just captured all the bugs, you know. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I caught corona through mine, so that's no good. I don't have to... Maybe it's because I trimmed my moustache a bit too short, but there you go. <laughs> so what's happening, Jack? What's happening? Well, I'm, I'm currently on tour, um, which has been really good, actually. Obviously, after 18 months of not being able to tour properly, um, we've done four shows so far. Uh, I'm back home for a couple of days, and then we're heading back out tomorrow. Uh, we've got Norwich tomorrow night, and then we've got, um, yeah, we're going all over the place, Edinburgh, Newcastle. Bradford, Birmingham, uh, yeah, great. South Wales, Crumlin, yeah, Crumlin, Crumlin, that'll be a good one. Yeah, um, I love the I love the Patriot in Crumlin. It's one of my favourite gigs that we've done previously. And uh, Angela, who runs that venue, is is great. She just really looks after you and makes you feel at home when you're there. So we're really looking forward to that show. That'd be okay, good. yeah, yeah, they've just rebuilt it, haven't they? Mm. Yeah, I know. I, I put a post up on Facebook of me holding my. Uh, my Viking V guitar like this. And I, I was like, don't worry, I'm not going to like shove it through the ceiling after the fantastic refurbishments. And I go in and do one gig and, and bring the ceiling down, you know, but yeah. It's, it's not that low, is it? I don't I know. Think they... My guitar's quite big, so it probably would. I've done it previously where I've lifted it up and then hit the ceiling with it. But, uh, uh, how tall are you then? About, I'm about four foot two. No, <laughs> <laughs> the guitar's 10 foot 8 <laughs> 300 frets standing well, on the bass drum well we we expanded the budget on the current so we got a little a mini trampoline at the front of the stage so just run it and then jump yeah alright very good so heavy blues rock would you say um, yeah I guess so my, my new album which we're playing a lot of new, new songs on this tour from is, is a lot heavier and a lot more rock-based than perhaps what I'm previously been known for. Okay. Um, and, I, you know, I kind of emerged really into the blues scene a few years back, which was kind of weird because I I did play blues, but, I, I you know, for 10 years of my life, I was in quite heavy rock bands. I You know, I was in a band that used to do Pantera covers, and like the contrast between that and when I became known for being an acoustic blues act, uh, that was just a... That was like a period of about two or three years that, you know, I still do that stuff, but this album's kind of gone back to what I was doing previously. So hopefully people dig it. I mean, there's still blues on there. There's st I think that's always going to be at the root of what I do. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, hopefully I'm not going to get messages from blues fans going, what the hell have you done? <laughs> Expecting some Elmore James and it sounds like Pantera. But um, yeah, because all blues fans have that accent, don't they? Uh, no, I just think I think it's a good collection of songs, and I, I, that's the main thing for me. And people seem to be digging it on the tour. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, which is cool. Well, your new album is The Hammer Falls, is that right? It is, yeah. When's uh, that coming out? It's coming out on the fourth of February. I went through a whole kind of Viking phase in lockdown last year when I, I was watching Vikings on, um, yeah, what was Netflix. it? Netflix. I think is it on Netflix now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
But I started watching it just before lockdown and then basically binged it. And so wrote most of my album whilst watching that series. So there is a, there's a few Viking references across the, the lyrics and things. But um, yeah, I'm, so, I'm really pleased that we finished it. And um, I received the masters a couple of days ago and it all sounds really cool. And uh, I'm really excited about people hearing the finished record. Yeah, cool, man. Because I mean, I've gone back through some of your stuff today. Because you brought a blues album out called Back to the Blues? Yes. We did that, um, I think it was November last year. And um, we'd been in the studio in September and basically tracked most of my new album. And then uh, we got offered uh, like a one night streaming event at uh, Ain't Nothing But Blues Bar in central London. And uh, it was really good fun that because it was revisiting a lot of material that I'd, I'd not played for a little while. So we kind of reworked some of my songs and turned them into more sort of acoustic based stripped back versions. And then, you know, covered some Elmore James stuff, Magic Sam, BB King. Um, and it was funny because I had all these songs that I used to jam on at blues bars, you know, when I, I used to run a blues jam at the same bar for years, but I was having to relearn all this stuff. And, uh, I was really pleased with that record. And, and, and a guy came up to me in Liverpool when we played in Liverpool last week and he, he said, um, he bought a copy of it and he said, this is my favourite album that you've done. He said, I've been listening to this non-stop over the last 12 months. And I was like, we, we recorded this album in like two hours. You know, yeah. we did it live, but you know, a couple of tracks, we, we did maybe a retake if it didn't quite come off, but it was all done in two hours, no overdubs or anything. Um, no fixing of anything, which, you know, you, you tend to do that in the studio now. You go back and tinker with it and make it sound quite polished. So what you hear is what we've played. And he was like, I love that. I love that it's stripped back. And, yeah, yeah. You know, people people like that authenticity, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I put it on earlier. I was like, fucking hell, this is good, this is good yeah, to be yeah, honest. Like you yeah, weren't yeah, listening yeah. to me, were you? You were listening to Jack Johnson. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> That's right, yeah. This is great, this. <laughs> I was I was waiting for the wait for the referee to start the fight, but you know. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I mean, it, it is a good album to be honest. I mean that that blue stuff it is it's nice. It's it is pretty clean to be honest. Mm. Since you only recorded yeah. two hours. Yeah, man, and it, it was an opportunity to play some slide guitar, which I've I've not really done recently. Um, I've I went through a phase when I was in my kind of early twenties when. I became obsessed with um, like Government Mule and uh, the Almond Brothers Band and all that kind of stuff, and trying to master slide guitar, which I, you know, I, I think I, I failed miserably at doing that. But um, it's something that I'd like to explore more in the future, actually, and get get back into playing slide. Mm. Um, you know, there's, there's artists that I've played with who, uh, you know, like Troy Redfern when I was in RHR. Troy's a really great slide player. And, um, you know, seeing somebody who is a master of that art, it, it's quite inspiring. So, yeah, when we, we did the Back to the Blues stuff, um, yeah, it was like, oh, God, I've got to dig out the this, this slide and try and get some of this right, because I'd not done it in a while. And when I play electric guitar and do the, the heavy rock shows, I, I, you play guitar differently, you sing differently, because yeah. you're, you're playing a kind of a rock show and you're shredding more than you are playing this kind of more articulate, human sounding uh lead guitar yeah yeah so uh yeah maybe there'll be a back to the blues too at some point in the future we, we talked about doing it as a tour at the end of next year which would be like acoustic sort of shows which yeah, yeah. i've not done that for a little while and i tell you what it's a lot it's a darn sight easier doing the acoustic shows than taking out marshall stacks and yeah yeah, yeah. that kind of stuff so we'll see yeah yeah that, that's pretty interesting actually you know there's not many not many artists out there that are going out and doing something a little bit different. You know, they they're doing their, their usual stuff. Like you be you you're on tour now and you're going to go out and do your usual stuff, but then to go away for a couple of months and come back and do something a little bit different. You know, you're appealing to a different audience as well, really. Yeah, man, and I think I miss to a certain degree. You know, like the the rock show that we've got on. I keep referring to it as a rock show. The show that we're putting on at the minute on the tour is a set number of songs that we've worked up and we've put together a set list that yeah. presents the new album. It, it presents it as a piece of art. Whereas 
the way I used to do shows is I used to do a lot of, um, you know, blues jams. I, if I wasn't on tour, I'd go into central London at any night of the week, I'd go to a jam. And I, what I liked about that was I'd be on stage with people I'd never played with before, being put on the spot. And it, it tests you in a different way that, mm. you know, I play with my band with Laz and Felipe and we know, we know the fucking songs, you know, we go out yeah, yeah. more or less the same every night. But when you get up with people who, with a varying levels of ability, right? You know, you get up with a drummer who can't keep time or whatever. You've got to try and pull that together. And it, it, I sort of miss that. Obviously, I haven't been able to do that because of lockdown. That's yeah, yeah. really been what I've, I've been about for the last 18 months. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Maybe try something like that in the future as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, you seem to have been pretty... I can't say fucking active because nobody's been very active, but... Um creative then i should say in in the lockdown period i mean you've recorded a new album you've recorded this blues album and stuff so you know you haven't been sitting on your thumbs yeah man i think i think um it was weird when we went into lockdown last year because i it was on the back of me being on the road for about 12 months constantly and i think part of the reason for that was I had a, a lot of issues in 2019, um, you know, with my, my father who was really ill over the course of that 12 months. So I actually think that I was, I was a bit crap with that. I think I escaped it by going on tour and drank a lot and kind of ended up in a mess at the end of 2019. And what lockdown did, it was almost having like, it forced me into like a detox period for a couple of months where I had to stop. I had no booze, so I could I didn't have access to booze, so I just was like I it stopped me drinking, which actually did me a, a world of good. And then I focused on songwriting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it, it actually helped me clear my head and and set me up to then go in the studio last September and record what I think is probably my best album so far. Just because I had more clarity. Yeah. And obviously it was awful what was happening, you know. It, I'm not saying it was great, but it actually from a personal perspective probably was something that I needed. Yeah, we were yeah, just about yeah. to go, we were in the middle of a tour when lockdown happened. And then we were about to go to Spain straight after that. And then I think we were doing Switzerland and then we were supposed to go to Brazil and doing some more dates in Brazil. So we would have been on the road for another five months. And I'm not quite sure what state I'd have been in at the end. Of, <laughs> um, probably looking rather similar to how I look now, but you know, it's kind of, I think it probably did me a bit of good to have a little bit of a break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, a, a lot of artists seem to do that, don't they? I mean, I don't know how. Did your dad pass or? No, he had. Um, he got diagnosed with um, a mixture of Alzheimer's and vascular dementia. Okay. So um, the kind of change and the deterioration in him was really quite dramatic, and um, you know, like four years ago, he was still coming to gigs with me, and he he was like my kind of roadie for a long while. Yeah. Um, and to see that all happen really in the space of about 18 months with him kind of going from being a bit forgetful to being in a home. Um, yeah, it was quite a shocking experience really. And it's, I think that's why he went into the home in February of 2019. And then I just headed on, on tour and it was a way of kind of getting out and avoiding it. I think. Yeah. Sure, yeah. He's still around. He's, he seems happy enough where he is. Um, I saw him last week, actually. I, I, it's funny because I took in, um, I played in some of the demos actually last year for my new album. And it was hilarious because my dad was like, uh, he just said, turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, there you go. Maybe I need to write some better songs then. <laughs> but he's still got, he's still got something there, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you hear a lot of these stories from these artists, though, that, you know, they have some family problems and uh, they seem to, like, just head off on tour and try to escape the escape the mess and leave it behind a little bit for, for a while, you know? Yeah, and being on tour is quite a lonely place at times. I, I look back to particularly, there's a period when I was on tour in the Czech Republic and, um, you know, just being in hotel rooms and kind of just kicking around all day and it, you're alone with your thoughts a lot of the time. Hmm. And it's not that great for you. I think musicians, I understand why a lot of musicians struggle with booze and drugs because there's fuck all else to do actually when you're on tour sometimes. 
and, and the Czech Republic is quite a small country. So the, the distance of travel between shows was two hours a day. You get there at sort of two in the afternoon. What are you doing for six hours? Yeah. yeah. I think I just binge watched Game of Thrones, actually. That's what I did on that. Tour. But, you know, it's kind of looking back, I, th I think it, it probably was a tough time but it, it set me up for where I am now. So you can only be positive about it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we can only be positive about anything, really, can't we? Yeah. You know. So you got a new single coming out for Halloween? Yes. Straight to um, Hell? Yeah, it's a, it's a kind of melancholic folk song. Um, no, I'm only joking. <laughs> yeah. It's like a, it's like a Sabbath uh, meets... I don't know, there's, the, the chorus is quite poppy actually which is a bit weird i wrote this monstrous riff with a really heavy verse and then the chorus goes into like beatles territory but i think it's a good tune um it was one of the last songs that we wrote on the record and it, it, every album i've put out the uh the last song that we've recorded has always ended up being like the first single or the first track on the album um so yeah it's it's a good tune and yeah it's coming out 29th of october um and uh, hopefully people dig it. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Hope Wes can get out there to all the radio and. Yeah, man. That'd be I, good. Um, it was one of them where we had a great engineer doing the album with us. Who was sort of, you know, he was on board as an engineer, but actually did a lot of production. And um, a chap called Josh who worked with me on these songs. And one of the things that he really did with me was he he pushed me in terms of guitar playing. Okay. And, um, I felt like the last record, Who Feeds the Wolf, was all about vocals and discovering my voice as a singer, whereas this one actually was about, like, what, you know, what have you got as a guitar player? So the guitar solo on Straight to Hell, I was really pleased with that. Um, and a lot of it was about trying to nail the guitar solos, like, to actually fucking play the thing. So. A lot of the time in the past, what I've done is I've I've sort of winged it in studio settings with guitar solos, and they've been an afterthought. Yeah. Whereas this album, I I really did work on them and write what I thought were killer solos, and then made sure I went in the studio and could fucking play them when I was recording them. So what you hear with Straight to Hell is is a take of me doing that rather than piecing together stuff that. You know, the the producer is an afterthought. It's like, well, he did this kind of good, and then you know, it's meant to work as a composition. Uh, so yeah, it sounds pretty cool. Yeah, okay. Play live though, because you got <laughs> in the set, and this guitar solo is like, I do this thing in it that's called trilling, which you you have to kind of basically in in a split second hold your pick in your in a different way, and then run it up the uh, the fretboard. And it's like, you know, when you're going ape shit in track one on your set, you're just like, am I hitting the notes right here? But, um, you know, who, who gives a shit as long as I look cool? I don't know. <laughs> well, it's live anyway, so you're allowed to make mistakes, you know. But loads of reverb on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, my guitar playing's not getting any fucking better, I'm afraid. Hey, <laughs> I, I, I had a good... Have you heard of... Um, what's it called? Uh... Dag bad tuning, D A G B A D. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had a go with that today, but I tuned my guitar to Baghdad tuning, and it all came out sounding like Middle Eastern music. So it was a bit bad, really. <laughs> well, I got a funny story about this. About the night, the first night of the tour, we played Worthy, and I've got this guitar set up, um, and I'd I'd been jamming along with some Zeppelin stuff, and this tuning was it was like the the Kashmir tuning. <laughs> I don't even know what, how this really happened, but I picked it up to, we were doing a cover of War Pigs by Sabbath. And you do the big, you know, Felipe does the bum, 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 buddle, diddle, diddle, and immediately Laz, my bass player, looked at me and went, like, what the fuck? What's been wrong? And I was like, Phew. it sounded like, it just sounded like dog shit. And um, it's like one of the things that you, um, you're always told, you know, I've been told for 20 years, whatever you do, don't stop a song like yeah, yeah. you've got to get through the fucking song and i was like we ain't getting through this song because it's the wrong fucking tuning and so about 30 seconds in i was like i'm really sorry we have to stop this and i picked up a different guitar and i was like so i'm a complete cock and uh we started the song in the wrong tuning and uh 
Laz, who is, he's, you know, he's, he's mu professionally musically trained afterwards. He was just like, you plonker, you know, um, <laughs> how can you not have a, the guitar in the right tuning? But it's a great, it does make everything sound kind of like, um, uh, like Friends by Led Zeppelin, that that kind of vibe as well. Although I think that's in open C, isn't it, that tune? But it, it, it's a, a really nice tuning where you can kind of back loads of open strings. And then I do it a lot, actually, when I sit here watching the football and I play acoustic guitar whilst I'm just playing, you know, watching the footy or whatever. And I, I play with open strings because it's okay. so kind of get lost in this kind of meditative um, way of playing. Yeah. Maybe that's what I need to do for my next album, do a load of open tuning yeah, stuff. Yeah. I only came across it really because I'm, I mean, I've only been learning to play for the last couple of years, but I came across, I came across this guy on the internet called, what's it called? Mike Dawes, I think. Have you seen him? No. Uh, he's pretty amazing. He does all this like um, acoustic stuff on his acoustic guitar, like drums, you know. Da -da 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 -da. Right. Yeah, it's really cool, man. And, uh, I thought, well, oh, that's fucking interesting. Maybe I'll be good at that, but I'm still shit at that as well. So. <laughs> that's what I was going to say when you when you mentioned earlier on, Jack, and you said when you get up on stage and you have a jam, and sometimes you've got a drummer that can't keep in tune or in time and all that. Me and Terry would be a real challenge. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, I mean, you, you listen to some stuff like. Um, Sabbath stuff like there's a lot of this, the songs speed up and slow down and that's part of the vibe of that production but you know I, I remember doing jams in you know particularly along like Denmark Street in London I used to go to the, down to the Alley Cat on Denmark Street on a Wednesday evening because we used to rehearse on the other side of the road uh, not literally in the road but there was this re rehearsal studio uh, on the opposite side of the road before it all, I think it all got demolished Um so we'd do a rehearsal and then at sort of 10 in the evening, go over and do a, the blues jam. And everybody was just cooking because they'd been in there boozing for a few hours. And some of the drummers, you'd get up and it'd be like, they'd start songs at like 107 <laughs> p.m. And by the end, you're, you're at like 64. Everybody's like, everybody looks like Jim Morrison. It's just like, yeah. Yeah, I, had a funny, I just I'll, I'll oh, just boy. say another thing about that jam. Once I was playing there, and then some erotica came on, a projection behind me as well, <laughs> and I was just jamming away. And there's like uh, Emmanuel came on, and I was like, "What else going on?" You, you know, automatically switch the blues in. <laughs> that, that jazz, yeah, yeah. bit of jazz coming in. <laughs> Since I gave up booze, that shit never happens anymore. I don't know. It's bad days. You wonder why everybody was looking at you. Yeah, I thought everyone's really fucking into this. <laughs> really everyone's just this is fucking awesome. And I'm like, yeah, I know it is, yeah. mate. Yeah. <laughs> so where are you from, mate? Uh, well, I'm. I, I was born in Leicester, but I okay. didn't live in Leicester for very long. I, I moved to Burnley when I was five, uh, and lived in Burnley until I was twenty-two. So. Um, yeah, so I, I see myself as being from Burnley, and yeah. then I'm London. I've, I've been down in, you know, London. you were headed for the bright lights. Well, that's kind of why I moved there. Um, I I felt like, you know, like a lot of people feel about moving to London. I I felt like I'd reached a certain sort of um, stage in terms of playing around where where I lived, and then I was like. And it was funny because I where, where I was playing these acoustic nights, mainly in, in Burnley, around that time, I, you, you feel like you've got a bit of a name and you feel like, you know, everybody knows you. And you, 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 you it's like Jack Big, Big Bollocks walks in and everybody <laughs> knows you. So I moved to London thinking I was the dog's bollocks. And, no, and you know, nobody gave a shit when I moved to London. It was, it was, it was a big slap in the face and it was quite good, really, because... I remember one of the first nights I ever went out in London and I went to Ain't Nothing But Blues Bar and I got up and jammed. And it was funny because this guy came up to me after I'd played. And he, it's funny because I know the guy now and he's really cool, but I don't know what he, I mean, this was like hard truths. And he just came up to me and he went, he went, do you know what, mate? And I went, what? And he went, that was fucking shit. <laughs> I was like, what? And he went, yeah, it was, really wasn't very good. Um, and so... 
I was really annoyed and really upset by somebody saying that to me. But what it did do is it, it made me, after a couple of days, think about what I was doing and actually the level I was at. And it pushed me to get better. And the realization that some of this, you know, the smaller kind of open mics I was doing back home, when she got to London, the level was a little bit higher at some of the jams I was going to. You know, I remember like, like people coming down to the blues jams, you got people like members of Fleetwood Mac coming in and obviously they're pretty high level in comparison to what I was at. So two or three years later, I felt like I'd, I'd sort of put that effort in and through jamming with all these different people who um, I remember doing it, like getting up and jamming with Ian Siegel. That was quite an experience. And Ian Siegel was really, you know, we had a few beers afterwards and, mainly talked about football actually but he was quite an inspiration at the time to see how he kind of captivated an audience yeah that was something that i learned was it wasn't just about being able to play the right notes and being technically perfect it was about uh, engaging people when you're on stage and having to learn to because I, I never really want to be a front man but i then developed a sort of persona on stage that you know, hopefully people still find interesting. I get told off by my band for telling too many shit jokes. <laughs> you got to try and keep, you can't just be fucking serious for two hours. You've got to kind of get people on your side, I think. And that's yeah, yeah. to those first early gigs in London where some guy came up to me and said, that was fucking shit, you know, yeah. because I was boring. It was just boring yeah. on stage with me trying to show off and pretend I'm Brian May, you know. <laughs> or Brian May not. Brian May on a BB King tune, it's not very good, is it? <laughs> no, no. Get wrong. <laughs> so, how old were you going into um, playing guitar then? How long have I been doing it? Yeah, how old were you when you picked up a, up a guitar? Um, I think I was probably about 11 or 12, but I absolutely hated it initially. And that, the reason was that um, I think this is probably still true today. I don't really like being told what to do. And so my dad telling me that every Monday evening I had to go for guitar lessons, it was just horrible. And the guy that um, was my teacher was more of a kind of classical guitar player. I just wasn't into it. I just wanted to be outside playing football. And um, this chap, David, that was his name, the, the, the tutor, he was a pretty cool guy, but he just wasn't presenting me with music that I liked. Yeah, yeah. Um, I eventually pleaded with my dad to let me go to football practice, which was on a Monday evening, rather than going to the guitar lessons. And the, the final lesson, I remember my mum said to this guy, said, has Jack learned enough in the last two years to, to just learn on his own? And he went, I'll be honest with you, he hasn't got the work ethic. <laughs> I was like, you what? Um, so... When people say stuff like that to me, it's a bit like that guy in London. That kind of, I don't, there's no point crying about it. It then pushes you to to prove them wrong. Um, and one of my dad's mates, uh, a guy called Andy Buck, um, he lent me, I think he was sort of trying to get me to, to continue with it. And he, he lent me the Led Zeppelin box set that came out in the, um, in the early 90s the one that had the cornfield on the front cover mm. and it was a four disc set and Andy said oh just give this a listen and see what you think and I, I remember listening and hearing Heartbreaker and that riff and I was straight away trying to learn that on guitar and it just that was like the, the kind of it was like a light bulb moment for me and then I was obsessed with guitar fuck football I'm on the <laughs> guitar all the time and um Led Zeppelin were kind of the root of me discovering all these other forms of music, all these other bands. Um, so it's, it's a long time now. You'd think I'd be better considering I've been playing for so long, but, you know, I've got good good selection of hats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's like James, though. I mean, we spoke to, um, what's the second name, Dave? James who? James, the fucking Welsh guy, James. Oh, Kennedy. Yeah, James Kennedy, and he said he learned to play guitar when he was really young, and he said he's probably worse now than he was then. Yeah, he said he was a lot better when he was back. <laughs> he, said he was better when he was, like, around about 20, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm better now than I was when I was 20, but that's probably because I was 
you know, I was quite into the idea of being a rock star rather than actually doing the hard graft and writing some good tunes and getting a good band together. I like to just, I don't know, you just think differently, I think, when you're a bit younger. Yeah, yeah. To be, I wanted to be Jimmy Page. I wanted to just be, you know, boozing. And I played some fucking great shows around the Northwest around then with my band. And those those shows were, they're more like like me remembering parties than anything else. <laughs> just playing kick-ass gigs. It was more like we played a gig and then we got hammered at a house party afterwards. Whereas now, it, you know, there's a different focus now. We still party a bit, but it's um, it's uh, hopefully the gigs have improved. I, th I think they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know that. <laughs> I understand that feeling all too well. So, but what sort of things are you listening to now, mate? Anything well, uh, lighting your fire? It's funny because I I listen to a lot of stuff that um, you know, it's really stereotypical. I mean, a couple of days ago, I got the new Neil Young record, which is this new bootleg series that he's put out. My partner, Liz, I was listening to it, and she's like, haven't you already got these songs? And I was like, I've got these songs on like 50 albums, but I just keep buying Neil. Like Anytime Neil Young puts something out, I will buy it. Um, I was listening to the new Blackberry Smoke album, actually, the other day. I got it on vinyl months ago. Never really listened to it, so I've been giving that a spin. Um, I think it's called You Here, Georgia. So, yeah, that kind of southern rock stuff I'm always spinning. And I've been listening to the new John Carpenter album. Um, I, I listen to a lot of that stuff, actually, after gigs. Because that I kind of, after I've played a, a loud, loud show, the last thing I want to do is listen to, I don't know, Sepultura or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I listen to movie soundtracks quite a lot. So, yeah, I've been listening to that this week as well. Ah, uh, so you play a gig and then you get Rocky on the, on the record player. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I've been listening to a lot of, um, you know, there's a, a few, because we've been announced playing Winter's End as well. That's uh, cool, yeah. Week. So there's a few bands that are playing on that that I've, I've just been checking out because it's, you know, I've, I, that's something that I really enjoy doing is, look, you know, listening to new bands as well as the old stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Wayward Sons, I really like their, their new stuff. I think that's really great. Killer artwork as well. I love bands that have got really good artwork. They're all over my arm. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not, I mean, it, it, I hate it when bands have brilliant albums and they've got dog shit album covers. It's like, you know, the guy that did my album cover, he does artwork for um, for Blasco from Ozzy Osbourne's band. And that's how I, I've, I sort of discovered him. And I was like, you know, I've, I've spent six months writing and recording an album. You want an album cover that looks killer, you know? Right. Um, so, yeah. So, Wayward Sons, I think, have got some great artwork. Yeah. yeah. David will tell you about that. Yeah, as well, some great great bands. I was having a look at it earlier on. I'm definitely... I've never done the Winter's End one before, so I'm going to try and uh, try and get there this year. Cause yeah, man. Mason Hill, Dust Coda, Bill Campbell is just... Obviously, yourself. There's just so many bands on it. Which I, and I said to Terry, it's like a Just Chopsin festival, really, because the, the people that we've either interviewed or going to be interviewing as well, which is pretty cool, or want to interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was on about you could tell them about the artwork, you knobhead. For Wayward yeah. Sons album. No, I know I <laughs> I'd already told them about that. Because no, I, got, I got a tattoo sleeve. Not on your fucking that. arm, on the record. Didn't well, Toby tell us about his his um oh what was it fucking that cartoon guy he had doing the stuff for him? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That he met. Yeah. But I don't know if Jack's watched that episode. It's a pretty long one. Yeah. We'd... I'll have to. I haven't watched it, but I will watch it after this. Mm. <laughs> it's, oh, it's on for fucking two hours. Davis is number one fan, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but does Coder art um, artwork was pretty cool as well on their on their new album. Oh yeah, yeah, they got this done by a brewery guy, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, their their artwork was pretty cool. They're good guys, the Dust Coder. Mm. Uh, I met John a couple of years back. There was like a a new wave of classic rock Christmas party that they. they I think we went to see Alter Bridge at the O2, which was a weird gig. The sound was really bad, although though I was really out of it. I was pretty drunk, and part of the reason for that was John from the Dust Coder. 
we'd never met each other before and, and it was like um i think richard brindley from new wave of classic rock was like hey you guys should meet and we were at the bar and we just ended up like it was one of them where you, you're still in the bar and it's like oh the gig started we should actually go in and watch the gig now um just a super cool guy and he's got an amazing voice really good band um yeah another band that have got really identifiable artwork is that that album cover when they were they were plugging it through earache earlier on this year it was everywhere and you instantly recognized it and it looked yeah. like sort of um yeah i mean it's like a, a sort of animated it's, it opens door i think with artwork that opens your mind in a different way and creates a, a sense of imagery for the record yeah that's quite important you know, it's like when you see old kind of Western posters that sets the scene for that movie. That's what you need to do with your album cover. So, yeah, the Dust Coder definitely did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was cool. Yeah, we had, like, is his name Ian? Yeah, guitarist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ian Mackey, yeah, yeah, we had him on, yeah. Yeah. I've, I'm really rubbish with names because uh, I just call everybody mate. It makes my life a lot easier. Cousin <laughs> Johnson. <laughs> Jack Johnson. <laughs> it's know? Jack J. Johnson. <laughs> I mean, I've I'm I mean, started. Do a recall on all these CDs and changed if you want to, Johnson. <laughs> I've ordered a thousand CDs. Can you redo the front cover? I mean, we've we've started a few episodes because I don't like to edit anything out, and um, we've actually started a few episodes. And I've gone to introduce every introduce everyone, and I've just sat there and gone totally blank because I can't remember the person's Who are we? name. Who are we? On, I'm on, fucking on terrible. Someone, the very first word is "oh fuck." I was such and such. It's when you go, "Good evening, uh, can you please uh, welcome?" And then you're like, uh, "Jack, Jay." <laughs> no, I just say, "Oh fuck, I'm sorry, mate. I've forgotten your What's fucking your name." name? <laughs> Yeah, I'm terrible. Sometimes I'm really well, to bad. To be honest, mate, there's, there's so many people wear hats rather similar to this one that, you know, it's quite easy to get us all mixed up. Yeah, I mean, you could have been Moose, couldn't you? He's yeah, better. Sons of Liberty, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, wait, are you signed to Eric as well, then? No, I did a track with them, which was on that... Um, I have to be careful. What's the What was the title of it? New Wave of Rock and Roll, wasn't it? Um, so there was the vinyl release, which the Dust Coda were part of, Scarlet Rebels, um, Los Campbell, Verity White. There's quite a few of us on that release, but I'm not on Earache, no. Um, oh, right, okay. But great, great guys at Earache, and um, they were very supportive of that release, and it was it was good fun to be part of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they seem to sign a few bands in the last 18 months, I guess. Yeah. But I don't know who's on there altogether. Yeah. Like some of my favorite acts, I mean, the, the, the way that I became aware of Earache was through uh, Rival Sons and yeah. Smoke. So that, that's how I, I kind of knew about that label. And then I, I, I sort of then realized that there's this long history of Earache and uh, they're a great team. And Dan Tobin, who uh, worked on that release and used to work for Earache, is working on the release for my new album with Eyesore. So we're, we're doing it through Eyesore. So, yeah. Ah right, okay. I saw earache. When's tonsillitis oh, coming out? So <laughs> sounds like what I was just suffering with last week, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Got anything, Dave? Yeah, I was just going to say you got super busy this week because you've. I know you were on um, those damn crows crowcasts as well, wasn't it? How did that go? Was that good fun? Yeah, it was good, man. I'm trying not to repeat the same jokes tonight because uh, <laughs> my my press guy Wes will be like, "You just said the same stories." Um, yeah, it was good to be. It's it's not really interviewed, is it? It's just you chatting, and yeah, that's yeah, like, yeah. Like what we're doing, it, it, it's quite relaxed, and you you can sort of open up a bit more about certain topics, which is quite cool. Yeah. And swear a little as well, rather than like live radio where you get fined if you swear. Which is really difficult for me. Yeah, yeah, for us too. Well, for me anyway. Terry especially. really struggles with it. Yeah, really yeah. struggles with it. Every. It always reminds me of that there's a scene in uh, the League of Gentlemen with Roy Chubby Brown where he's pl he plays the mayor and he's been warned by his press team to not swear live on. T he's been interviewed live on TV about like the nosebleed situation in the village, 
and this two minute interview and he's just being very polite and they go, uh, thank you, Med. And then he goes, um, you're fucking welcome. And then, <laughs> and it's, it's just a great scene. That, I was like, that's me. That's me when I want to do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've been practicing because we're trying to get a radio show off the ground as well. And I've been practicing, like, recording. Yeah, I've been practicing <laughs> and recording stuff. And then I record it and I record a, a section, you know, because I want to listen to listen to it, see how it sounds. And I record a section and then I swear halfway through it and I'm like, fuck, I'm not supposed to be fucking swearing. <laughs> have to spend oh, it's a nightmare. The bleeping, bleeping it all out, mate. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's only so we can go out to more people because with the, with a the, with our podcast because we just swear a lot. Then it has to be over over eighteens, you know. And so we we're missing out on a massive demographic by not punting it to nine year olds. But <laughs> which you can get away with though is there like a watershed that we can say that can maybe it be like PG thirteen. No, I don't think so. Isn't there? Nah, they do a lot of swear sense. words. They do it with like sex scenes and stuff, don't they? So you can like have a bit of over tit on a PG thirteen, but under tit is like a fifteen or something. How does that work with swearing? I don't fucking know, do I? Well, that's definitely a. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. How, how the fuck am I supposed to know? <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna read a story. Uh, let me have a look. Where is this? Where is this business? Uh, Brig House, West Yorkshire. Do you know where that is, uh, Jack? I was going to call you John then. <laughs> Brig House. Brig House. Brig House, yeah. West, yeah. West Yorkshire. I think I played there about five years ago. Okay. Well, there's a roadside cafe, which is probably like a fucking burger van. Burger van. Called Big Baps Cafe. Okay. And it's yeah. on the side of the road. It's a trucker's place where all these lorry drivers go there for their breakfast and stuff. But they've been getting problems <laughs> with doggers. Because a load of people have been going behind their breakfast cafe and uh, using it as a dog insight. So, and that's, and I don't mean walking your dog either. I say it's just nice, nice, nice natural <laughs> well, place with nice, like scenes and stuff. Or do well, they make masks? <laughs> apparently, they trashed the wooded area behind the food outlet. She calls it food outlet. It's just a fucking static caravan where there is a mattress and other dirty remnants. So I'm assuming they mean condoms and stuff. So it's a, it's a bit of a far cry from condiments, but uh, yeah. So she's uh, she's the business is going down the pan. Apparently, not good is that? So my daughter's twenty one, and she came over once and said, "Mum, I've just seen a dogger." And I said to her, "It could have been a fisherman." And she said, "Mum, he had his penis in his hand." <laughs> <laughs> so it definitely would have. You wouldn't have a fucking fisherman in the woods anyway, would you? <laughs> well, he's just using his pole. <laughs> So yeah, unfortunately, uh, maybe it's the truckers, you know. Maybe the truckers are attracting them. There's, there's a, there's a, because um, yeah. they are getting propositioned. Involved in this, yeah. But there's a, there's a dog in sight on one of the roads. You might actually use that road actually when you come into, if you come into Wesk and stuff before you go to the Patriot. I'm not quite sure which way you'd be going. But the, the road that goes from Usk up to the M50, to the A40 or whatever it is, that road there, on the left-hand side, if you're going up, there's a dog inside there, apparently. No. Yeah. Well, he's, he's not talking to me, John. He's th <laughs> John, Jack, sorry. <laughs> he's talking to you. Because <laughs> yeah, so, um, I'm not going near, near Wales anytime soon. You wouldn't be able to catch it on your way down, but on your way home... <laughs> I mean, we 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 were always open to sort of rerouting the tour, you know, and, and sort of taking sites. So I'll have to have a word with the guys tomorrow. Yeah, but this, I mean, I mean, it's a typical fucking place for dog, isn't it? You call your fucking fast food burger bar Big Baps for a start. You know, you've got two women working on there. <laughs> cool, it's called Big Baps, so it is automatically going to attract the wrong crowd, isn't it? 
It's not just going to attract fucking lorry drivers, is it? You know, it's like. But it says it says here she subsequently had to endure homophobic comments, but has insisted the sexuality of the dog isn't the problem. It's just the dog in general. <laughs> so. <laughs> Why is she had to deal with homophobic stuff? I don't know. Does she only serve hot dogs or something? Does she? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, you know, she's got big baps on the wagon, so. Uh... I don't know. Weird. But yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think about that, Jack? Well, it, we didn't really touch on this sort of topic in the Those Damn Crows. Uh, in... <laughs> So, it's a surprise. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll admit I'm slightly thrown. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at giving comebacks as well, but I'm not quite sure what to say. I was just thinking about that um, Peter K series. What was it called? Car Share. There's a joke about dogging in that, isn't there, where it, the lady he gives a lift to gets in and she's, she's talking about like dogging and she's completely mixed up. She refer, She's thinking she's talking about taking a dog for a walk and then Peter Kay's you should watch it it's on YouTube but Peter Kay's just like you are <laughs> very innocently yeah it's a good one yeah so I thought I'd throw that in I thought it was quite a good story so I always like to throw a story in and see how my guests react but uh, usually David usually David throws some stuff back but I mean he has I, haven't been... much, I haven't got much on dogging really no to be honest it's not something that um I've experienced or, or sought out, if I'm honest. No. So I, I it's the sort of thing that Jack Johnson does, though, isn't it? It's yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a Jack Johnson thing. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be able to tell us about it next time. You'd be throwing that alcoholic beer, non-alcoholic beer away in a minute and get a real one. Yeah. This is a real alcoholic beer, the way we're going on. <laughs> I did watch a documentary on it a few years ago. It was, you know, like on, like, Channel 4 or... Channel Five or whatever, one of those like silly channels, and they they were sort of like introducing you to doggers, and they were just you know normal people, but they were wearing masks so they couldn't be identified. But they like workmates and different things, and you know it's like it was like a big scene. I think that was might have been Leeds or something up that way. Yeah, it's right in England. Halloween's <laughs> tricky, isn't it? Because obviously there's more people wearing masks around Halloween, so yeah, get, uh, mistaken for. I'm taking in the dog in. I wonder, how, I wonder how that would go. What? Funny, you know, try your defence on in there. Well, I assume she was there for the same thing as me. Well, they have a thing over here called Carnival. Yeah. And um, it's uh, at the beginning of Lent. So it's around the beginning of February time or when fucking Lent starts. Is it Lent? 40 day, 40 day fasting? Is that Lent? I don't fucking know. I think so, yeah. But so over here in the southern, because I'm in Holland. I don't know if you know, I'm in Holland, Jack. But so in the south of Holland and Limburg areas, they have this thing called carnival, and then everybody gets dressed up for four or five days. They go mad. I mean, it's 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 all to do with the Bible, I think. But but the majority of the fuckers are Catholics. But um, it's all to do with like stuff in your face, full of food, you know, food and drink. What's it called? I'm sure it's called Lent. I don't know. The only one I could think of is a Muslim who was just Ramadan, innit, where they starve. Yeah, but they'd starve themselves for fucking ever. Well, you just said they're not eating. They don't eat No, they're stuffing themselves full of... They're supposed to stuff themselves full of food and drink for four or five days before they start the fast. Right. So they have carnival. So everybody gets dressed up in these carnival costumes and then they all go out and party and uh, they're all getting pissed and, you know, whatever. And, and then it leads to all these... Unwanted pregnancies and divorces. I mean, going back a few years, years it was like the the highest statistics for for divorce rates and everything was all to do with carnival, you know. Uh, so yeah, so it's sort of like dogging, but not really dogging, I suppose. They all just go and fuck each other. They all get pissed up and in their carnival outfits, you know. <laughs> so like, uh, like that film um, with Tom Cruise, they do all that, don't they? On that, and they go to like the big posh house and they're all got masks on so they don't know what they who they are and what have you and it turns out they're all his buddies aren't they i don't know yeah mission impossible yeah. i was gonna say interview was a vampire but no <laughs> yeah. oh, what's it called it's the one with nicole kidman in it and stanley kubrick 
Yeah, he's a he's a doctor, isn't he? He goes out and he ends up being he meets up with his mate from years ago who's a pianist, and he says, "Oh, you want to come along with this shindig? You need to get a mask I, and a robe." The minute somebody says you need a mask and a robe, you need to run, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's not going to end well, is it? Eyes wide shut, I think. That's it. That's it. That was a that's weird and messed up, man. Is but that's sort of like semi dogging. <laughs> I remember my dad, my dad rented that film um, when we were kids and we watched it on a Saturday night and he put it on. We all sat around with it and I think it went off pretty sharpish. Cause, yeah, uh, not good, is it? Like a big orgy scene. I think my mum was like, um, Roger, I yeah. think we can find something else. Let's do the Goonies instead. Yeah, yeah. I've been with stuff like that. Anything interesting you watch on the TV, Jack? Anything interesting I watch? I don't know, man. I um, what, Are you a big movie fan? or? Yeah, I, 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 this is kind of my favourite period of the year because there's loads of horror movies on TV and I can sort of get into watching all the sort of hammer horror, amicus stuff. And uh, I've actually been going through all the Nightmare on Elm Streets this week, so that's what I've been doing this week. And then I watched the new one. There was a remake about 10 years ago and I was like, now, without Robert Englund, it's not really the same thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do like watching a, a good horror movie. And I do, when we sort of crash out after gigs, I tend to, you know, I'll stick on something like Friday the 13th you know, when I'm getting into hotel room because it takes me ages to wind down after gigs. So putting on a sh like a, an absolutely bonkers horror movie takes me out of reality into that world. So, yeah. But I like watching a lot of football and that kind of stuff, which causes tension between me and my PR guy, Wes, who's a Liverpool fan. Yeah, I saw that. He's Man United fan. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you can't have everything with people, can you? But he is indeed a Liverpool fan. Oh, yeah, David's a Man United fan. Yeah, no, I'm going to admit to it at the moment. My, my, <laughs> no. mate, my mate posted on Facebook after we got battered by Leicester. He said, I've looked at the next eight games and we're going to lose seven out of eight of them. I was like, oh, shit, because you've got, like, you know what? Liverpool, my brother... City, Chelsea... My brother was at that Leicester game on Saturday. Yeah. My brother, Sammy's a United fan. Um, and one of his friends had a spare ticket and it was at Leicester. And Sam lives in Loughborough. So Sam went to uh, watch the game and I was like, are you going to wear your United top? And he was, because he was sat in the Leicester end. Oh God. He was like, no, no, no. So he wrapped up and everything. So I was sending him messages on WhatsApp that was like, I've got a new screen set, like a wallpaper for you. And it was just like a big picture of Harry Maguire like that. And he, he obviously opened his phone. He was like, stop sending me these messages. <laughs> so, and then when Greenwood scored, I think Sam, he just had to be like, oh, for God's sake. You know? <laughs> but inside he was like, yeah. And then um, when they won at the end, he had to kind of celebrate with everybody and be like, hurrah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I watched it and I... I never thought for one minute United were going to win that game. I don't know. I think. Do you, what do you think? Ollie in or Ollie out? And that's not not a dogging question. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's. Um, yeah, it's getting a, like when, when you see Zidane being linked with Newcastle this afternoon. You think and Conte as well. With Newcastle. It's like. I think we kind of need somebody, with the squad the United have got now. Like, we should really be challenging. and that, I'm yeah. not quite sure Ollie's up to it. I don't think he is now. I'm, uh, I was sort of like pro Ollie for a bit, and then you, you just watch some of the, the strategies got and some of the sort of like the player choices that he makes sometimes, and then some players he leaves on the bench. It's like, it's like when, when we go to win, play a game, that we'd be confident of winning. Do you know what I mean? He'll put on a weakened team. Wait for us to go goal down, <laughs> and he brings on all the stars, and they're running around like fuck for thirty minutes. You'd be better off bringing them on, letting them stroke a ball around, going one or two up, and then bring all the knobheads on. I, I just don't. It's, it's like chasing the game all the time. Is is strategy is just not right for me. I just don't get it. Maybe he think... took a few tips of Arsene and Wenger. <laughs> yeah, he might have. Yeah. <laughs> he did that for like... ten years. I don't know how, how you are, Dave, with this sort of stuff, but when Man United lose, I'm, like, distraught for yeah. two or three days. It affects my mood. And so I remember the first tour I did with Laz and Felipe. We were in Spain, and it was, the, it was 
ju- we just beaten City. If City if City beaten us at Old Trafford, they would have won the league. Mm. It was two or three years ago, maybe three years ago. We beat them. And then when we played West Brom the following week and we lost against West Brom. Yeah. Came out, we were in this gorgeous sort of villa in Spain. Went downstairs to kind of then head to the venue and the guys were like, what's the matter? And I was like, oh, Man United fucking lost against West Brom and I was just ranting about this. And the guys were like, are you going to be all right to do the gig, Jack? And I was like, I will, of course, you know. <laughs> Stop. And then about like two days later, Laz was like, you still annoyed about that United? Like, of course I'm annoyed. I'm going to do about three or four days. And Felipe, who'd been playing with me for a little while, then he was like, this is going to go on for quite a few days, Laz. This is what Jack's like. So, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. I'm like, that was a rugby. Oh, fucking Wales lose. Yeah, whereas my missus, she's, she's, she's lovely. She's just like, well, they played so well. And they've done really well, and we like been batted eighty points to three against South Africa or somebody. Oh, but they had a go, didn't they? Was... No. <laughs> Fucking useless. She's she's just like she's all good with it, and everything's cool, and she just don't get it. It's like if you like Man United will go like two 0 down or something, and she'll laugh because I'm normally watching it on my phone, and she's watching the telly, and I'm like, oh for fuck's sake. And she, she just like start, doesn't understand why I'm so angry and agitated and trying to bite my phone in half and things. She just don't get it. Yeah. Don't get it. Don't just, get it. I don't get it either, fucking football shit. I, I was saying with the Formula One, mind. if Lewis Hamilton ain't winning, I'm fucking screaming and shouting and hollering. So what do you reckon on the new Halloween movie coming out? Have you seen any trailers for that? Yeah, I went to see it the other day. Oh, did you? Any good? It's it's good, yeah. It's not as good as the first reboot one, but um, it's a bit of a mess actually. But it, you know, <laughs> it's just a job. Soundtrack's good, which is a, is all important. Yeah, I, I mean, I've never really got into the Halloween movies to be honest. There's I've about been... thirteen of them now, so oh, yeah, yeah. This one is it? Yeah, yeah. I was more a Friday the Thirteenth guy. Yeah, I, I was more Freddy Krueger. I gotta be honest. Yeah, really. Yeah, I love Freddy Krueger. Like you said, the new one, just keep... Do you know what? With the new one, I think they made him too seedy. I know he was like a child killer and stuff, but on the new one, he was even seedier, wasn't he? And I didn't like that. I thought no. I thought it was... The... I didn't like it. I th... Whereas like... Well, he was a Kru... fucking maniac killer. Yeah, but he... Krueger was like a maniac killer. But on the new one, he's like a paedophile maniac killer, and I didn't like that so much. I... Fucking kill him, yeah, do you know what I mean? But they just took it too far. Didn't like it. What do you reckon, Jack? Yeah, I, I didn't like it. I think it needed the sort of humour. Mm. I think all horror films need a bit of humour, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, because ultimately you're watching somebody getting murdered and it, yeah. that should really be funny. I mean, if it's serious, then you might as well watch a snuff movie, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. You know. Are they still about them them. things? I like saw. I like saw movies. There, there's not much humour in them, really. I don't know. It's a bit dark. It's dark humour, isn't it? Yeah, I find them really funny though. I can't be <laughs> <honest>. <laughs> I like the saw movies as well, to be honest. They got yeah. a new one of them coming out, haven't they? Yeah, Spiral. It was good. I watched it. It's very good. Oh, it's come out already because they usually yeah. bring release them on Halloween, don't they? Yes. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's another one in the works, but I watched Spiral. It's got. Um... Oh, it was that lad who was in? Um... Oh, he's a comedian, he is. Fuck. No idea. Oh, I can't think of his name. Skinny, skinny black guy. It was in... Um... Chris Rock. Yes. Yeah, it was... But he's playing a he's playing a real serious part. He does a good job in it, actually. Okay. Considering he's like a... You know, I reckon he's an amazing comedy actor. But he was really good in that spiral. I quite enjoyed it. Okay, I'll have to look out for that. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a good watch. That on DVD. You know, All right. All right then. All right then, mate. We're going to let you get off because we're just talking bollocks, really. And, I'm going to go uh, to the United game in a minute. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Well, I'll, you can bring me back in half. I don't know. We'll both be fucking tapping in. I'll be ringing you back in about an hour, just tearing my hat. Yeah. You know, fucking Ollie's playing Fred again. Twat. Was he doing all this? He got Fred in goal. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Good luck with your tour, Jack. All right, man. Well, thanks so much, guys, for having me on. It's been really good to chat to you. And, uh, yeah, 
it's going to be fun. I'm going to, I'll go and speak to Liz, my partner, in a minute, and she'll be like, what do you talk about? I'll be like, dogging. <laughs> <laughs> Typical interview, you know. <laughs> dogging and horror movies. That's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully I'll yeah. be able to catch you at, at the show at um, the, the Winter's End Fest. I'm definitely going to try and get there this year. Where is yeah, it? Man. Where is it? Next year, it's actually really close to where my bass player uh, lives in in Leamington Spa. So Leamington Spa, he, lives, yeah. um, he loves his kind of home comforts. So he was like, "This is fucking great. I can just get there in about ten minutes and then get home." He's he really likes watching like the MMA and stuff like that. So he uh, he's always like he basically tries to fit his whole schedule around when he can watch MMA. <laughs> um, so, but you'll find me and Felipe at the bar until you know two a.m. or whatever. So yeah, yeah, cool. It yeah, sounds like it should be in Scotland. They normally are. They they used to be. There was Moved one that used to be in North Wales, wasn't it? There was. I think it's been in uh, Great Yarmouth. Is that is that Winter's End as well? I think there's been some in Great Yarmouth. I've been. There's Treco Bay, wasn't there? The Rockstocks Trek. Is it Treco yeah, Bay? Rockstock. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I, yeah. I remembered where I drove to two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right then, mate. I'll let you go. All right, lads. Have a nice evening. Nice yeah, to talk to you. Good luck with your tour. Good luck with the album. Yeah. Cheers, mate. And uh, hope we talk to you again. All right, man. See you. Cool. All right. Try. Bye.